This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, here's what's happening in the NHL tonight. The Penguins and Blue Jackets are tied 1-1 in the third. The Avalanche and Hurricanes are tied 1-1 in the second period. Panthers and Ducks still to come tonight. Ducks and Oilers both with 70 points, tied for second in the Pacific Division. The Ducks are in uh, second place because of the uh, tiebreaker. But if the Ducks lose in overtime, or pardon me, if the Ducks lose in regulation time tonight, the Oilers would be placed second with their game coming up in Chicago tomorrow. The Oil Kings about to get underway. They're taking on the Calgary Hitmen, and after surviving that 16-game losing streak, the Oil Kings have now won two in a row. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show a former member of the 630 Ched Sports Department, now the host of the Green Zone on CJME Radio in Regina. It's Jamie Nye. Jamie, how's it going? Fantastic, Reed. How are you? Kellen, I, I can't hear him if we have Jamie, so we'll have to fix that so I can conduct the interview. Do we, do we have them connected? Okay, Kellen's uh, figuring that out there. Yeah, the Oil Kings uh, take it on Calgary, and then uh, they're on the road again in uh, Medicine Hat this weekend. And one, one thing that was interesting about the Oil Kings, I mean, that was a dreary losing streak, 16 games. I mean, they weren't even getting games into overtime. But, you know, talking to some of the coaches and players, they uh, they kept up the attitude pretty good and stayed pretty strong. And uh, and we're able to get through that. And now they've won a couple of games in overtime. Okay, I think we have Jamie now. How's it going, Jamie? Good. How, can you hear me now, Reed? I can't hear you now. I'm I'm live at the Terwilliger Rec Center for the Family Day Classic, so I'm on location. <laughs> so we we just had to make sure all the cables were plugged into the right sockets. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the uh, on location technical difficulties. They all get, always get ironed out. Uh, yeah. But, well, uh, I'm just happy I'm inside. Whenever they ask me if I'm on location, I, that's my first question. Is it indoors? Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> well, the weather's fantastic, isn't it? It, fantastic it actually is awesome anyway. today. It actually is awesome today. So, yeah, it's like the, the snow is melting. It's incredible. Hey, I, before we get into some of the uh, the football stuff we want to talk about, i, I got to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, and uh, I want to... Um, I, I, I want to... Uh, you just ask to run down what happened here. I had Kelly Rudy on the show in the last half hour, and he told a, a story about one of the nastiest things he ever did, where a player on another team that he didn't like got hit in the mouth with a puck and was bleeding and spitting out teeth on the ice. And Kelly went over to him and stood over top of him and said something nasty to the player while he was down on the ice in pain rather than consoling him. So I said to people, you can text me in anonymously and give me a player that you always hated or didn't mind to see getting hurt. So I got a lot of Theo Fleury's, Doug Gilmore's, I even got some Sidney Crosby's. 
And Kellen, our producer who called you, said his was Doug Flutie. And as I said that, I said, Doug Flutie, the greatest player in the history of the CFL. And I got a text here from Sean. He says, uh, he says, uh, Reed, have you lost your mind or just showing your age? Warren Moon, period. Did I commit a faux pas? Because Flutie was pretty darn good, as was Moon. But, I mean, Flutie's been voted the best player in the history of the league, right? I, I, I know I'm, I'm just going to tick off 95% of Edmonton, but Doug Flutie's the greatest quarterback, I think, and just the, the game fit him so well in the CFL. And I, I know Warren Moon and that great, it was a great Edmonton Eskimos team that won those great cups, but I, I look at what Doug Flutie was able to do just with the game and, it was, I think, the the best Canadian Football League quarterback of all time is Doug Flutie. Uh, a guy that came up f- from the uh, United States. He was obviously an NCAA star, uh, was okay in the NFL, and then had some flashes in the NFL when he went back after playing uh, for three teams in Canada. Which leads me to the transition into tonight's discussion, Jamie, or at least part of it. What is going on? with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Vince Young. Like what is going on? They are uh they're they're I that's a good question. I, I look at Vince Young as I I've asked why a lot uh on my program in Saskatchewan why. And I've always said this about NFL quarterbacks coming to Canada, give it a shot. Okay, bring it on. Let's see what you can do. But when you look at the decision here on getting rid of a 34-year-old Darian Durant, bringing in and then potentially signing a soon-to-be 34-year-old for a tryout or training camp who hasn't played pro ball, hasn't thrown a ball in six years, that's where you go, what, what are they thinking? Is this just for the wow factor on, hey, look who we can sign? Or is this actually you believe Vince Young could be successful because Ryder fans okay no Darian Durant let's find the next guy let's trade for James Franklin of the Edmonton Eskimos let's do something that looks like this is a 5-10 year plan Vince Young is a random wow thought wouldn't it be amazing if it ever worked out and I, I don't know if that's really forward thinking to build a franchise for the sustained success that the president of the Riders said they wanted to build when he hired Chris Jones a year and a half ago. Okay, well, Chris Jones is, is pretty much, well, not pretty much, he has tons of power there. Is this totally him? Do you think this is somebody else saying, well, what the heck, what's the harm in looking into it? Or who, who, who's, in, who's driving this, this interest? I think it's. I think a lot of some of these personnel decisions go to John Murphy, the uh, vice president of player personnel. Uh, he is uh, formerly Calgary Stampeders uh, assistant and personnel guy to John Huffnagel, who came over. He was a finalist for the GM job, but uh, they brought both Jones and Murphy in. I think this is some of these moves are more John Murphy. I I, I really do. He's got a lot of connections from the senior bowl down south and everything else and uh, the agent of vince young 
is actually the agent that Jerry Maguire's character is built after. Right. Uh, so uh, th- th- this is a big-name agent, and that this is the guy who's, who's really leading the way with the Vince Young news. He's just tweeting it out. Vince Young's coming back. He wants to come back. Vince Young is having discussions with the riders. And Lee Steinberg is his name, has been very open and honest that his client wants to play football again. He does have a job at the University of Texas. Uh, Vince Young does. He's happy there. But he's got a passion to resurrect a football career. So he has not played since 2011 and not been on a roster since 2014, if I'm uh, recalling correctly. So that's uh, interesting. A a big guy, 6'5", 230, obviously. I mean, here's the thing. Vince Young in his prime would have had that potential to be a a classic uh, CFL quarterback, right, with the scrambling and and with the arm and with keeping plays alive. Now, the key three words I'm using there, JB, are in his prime. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> His prime's gone. It's long gone, and I don't, I, I don't understand what, why they go down the road. And he, maybe they don't go down this road at all. Uh, maybe they're in this next week of negotiations. Vince Young realizes that a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar contract in the Canadian Football League is not worth all that much uh, with the exchange rate for what he may be making at his alma mater at University of Texas. And but maybe he's got a passion for it and he wants to prove people wrong and maybe leapfrog into another two, three years on an NFL roster. Heck, people are chasing around Tony Romo, and he's going to be 37 in a few months. So Vince Young's four years younger than him. So maybe he's thinking, if I can stick around football for three, four years, he can make those millions again. All right, tell me a little bit about the Riders quarterback situation. And you, you mentioned the James Franklin rumors that continue to swirl. Um, but, but are, I mean, is it, is it, are they just going to go with Kevin Glenn, or do you still think they're, they're you know, other, other than perhaps Vince Young, or do you think there are going to be efforts to still acquire another quarterback? Because I see five listed on the Riders roster. You would know better than me if they're all realistic possibilities. But is it Kevin Glenn's job most likely once we get into late June? I don't think they want it to be Kevin Glenn's job. They, they want it to be somebody else. Uh, the, Kevin Glenn is the he's always been the great insurance policy, hasn't he, Reed? That's uh, right. <laughs> the, the Rodney Dangerfield of the Canadian Football League. Uh, nobody wants you as the starter. They just you're the insurance policy. Uh, I think that's the way they want to see someone wow them in training camp and go down the line. But uh, I mentioned James Franklin earlier, uh, as you just did, and that's of the Eskimos and Chris Jones brought him here. Tried a couple of times last year. Word is that he did try to get him from Ed Hervey and the Edmonton Eskimos. But uh, uh, you'd, you'd have to tell me this. You, you look at the es- Eskimo roster. Do they need receivers now that Darrell Walker's gone? Or do you think they're set at receiver without Darrell Walker? Because the Riders just signed Bakari Grant today. They have nine American receivers now on their roster with Chad Owensign, Bakari Grant, Naaman Roosevelt, Deron Carter, and then four or five prospects that looked good last year in their time with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And that's where everybody's thinking they're loading up for something. Maybe it's Vernon Adams of Montreal. Maybe it's somebody else somewhere. But it just looks like the Riders have loaded up at receiver, ready to drop another 
drop something else that's coming down the line here and that uh, it just James Franklin just seems like the obvious they want him and if they can't get him this year maybe just wait till he hits free agency next year well that's another thing to remember I, I mean they they can they can play with with another quarterback this year but but here's the thing is is Vernon Adams not considered a better prospect than James Franklin or how is it perceived I think it's perceived in Saskatchewan and uh, just James Franklin and Edmonton. He's shown, to me, James Franklin has shown a little more composure in the pocket when he's played, where Vernon Adams is just, he's flying around, running around, and he's a one read and take off type guy. And I don't know, that's Neilan Green all over again. Oh, that's ugly, buddy. That's ugly. And and that's, (laughs) that gets concerning. I think they like James Franklin. He's, Set. He knows the offense, ran the offense well in Edmonton with Steve McAdoo and what Chris Jones and them like to do. So I, I think they'd be more comfortable with James Franklin, who knows this offense, rather than Vernon Adams. It just seems like that wild card, uh, run, run, run first, pass later type quarterback. All right, and I should. This is a couple weeks old, obviously, but I should ask you, Jamie, before I let you go, because it was another Rough Riders story that uh, that that came up. Uh, what, what was what was the whole Johnny Manziel thing? Do you is that just was that overblown? Do you think there was something there, or where does it stand now? Well, whenever you, Justin Dunk reports something, you have to take it you have to take it seriously. And I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And maybe it wasn't a full workout. Maybe it was just a conversation. Uh, but even that would be considered tampering to some extent. Uh, uh, something was there between Manziel. I, I believe this hasn't been confirmed. Chris Jones has flatly denied it mm-hmm. and, uh, and been clear today, clear as day to that, that no, nothing went wrong there. So it, it's almost, I, I think that story's dead actually. I, I think that's where it is. Justin Dunk reports it. Chris Jones denies it. The CFL, good luck with that investigation. Right. Um, and finding anybody to actually say anything. Uh, uh, and I, I think it might have ended there that day, which was report, denial, and they everybody moves on with their life. Okay. Yeah, well, it's just, it, it, I mean, Chris Jones is an interesting figure. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you know the hat he's always going to wear around the CFL, and particularly in Edmonton. I, I lied. I'll ask you one more. Did, are, are, did fan because they, they they were better in the second half of the season. Um, I, I don't know if the, I would have called the Riders a good team by the season ended, but they they were maybe they went from bad to below average. What's what's the patience of the fan base with? Jones's regime now getting ready for year two. Well, when they traded Darian Durant, uh, I would have said very impatient. Right. Um, but now that they've added some veteran pieces through free agency, I think the patience is growing again. Okay, let's see what happens. But I think that patience is over real quick if it's an 03, 04, 05 start for the Rough Riders. I. I don't think it'll be that that bad. I think the Riders will actually be right in the thick of it this season as long as their QB play holds up against some great quarterbacks in the West Division. And uh, that's the that's the key there. But if the losses pile up, I think this is going to be a nasty year in Saskatchewan. But if he wins, 
they'll be planning his parade and where they're going to put the the bronze statue if he he would win after just two years in the in Saskatchewan and trading away Darian Durant and pulling it all off. Well, I mean, uh, head coach and coordinator Jones has been successful everywhere he's gone, so that that's, that's going to be a storyline and uh, the new stadium opening as well. So that's pretty cool, Jamie. I know we'll do this more during the season, but I, I do appreciate the update. Interesting times with the Riders as always, man. Have a great weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You too. That's Jamie and I checking in, CJME Radio in Regina, host of the uh, Green Zone. I think you were, uh, you could tell there that he was not a fan of this pursuit of, uh, of, of Vince Young. Never, never a good idea to get a guy who hasn't actually played quarterback for really six years, but. We'll see. Chris Jones, is uh, he, he takes chances. Sometimes they work out. Inside Sports on 630, Chad, you can text 630-630. Sam G. texting in. Uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, I love it. The Riders fans are confused. That's what happens when you steal the other team's coach. Karma, LOL, just kidding. That is from Sam G. texting into 630-630. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. Uh, a little more Oilers chat coming up. Heather Nettowin bound for the Scotties representing Alberta. That is a fascinating story of uh, how she Join the team right before Provincials. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Asia Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Nuge and the Oilers in Chicago. They practiced this morning at the community rink and then flew to Chicago. Game tomorrow on 630 Chet, 330 face-off show. Game is at 5. Hey, if you're uh, one of the two people not at Garth Brooks tonight, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> you can text 630-630-780-496-0063 is the phone number. We're live at the Terwilliger Rec Center, the Family Day Classic. Uh, more at familydayclassic.com. Really is a great tournament here in our community. So it uh, it looks like Chris Russell will play soon for the Oilers, maybe even tomorrow. Darnell Nurse expected to return on the road trip as well. We uh, we tried to get some info out of Chris Russell this morning after practice. Here's how that went. How close are you being ready to play? Not sure. You're okay out there? Yeah, I feel good. And is this the same injury you had before? Your coach alluded to it. Did you hurt the same thing? Earlier? Yeah, it's a bit the same, yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling out there? Feeling all right. Yeah, lungs feel good. Um, legs feel really good, so, yeah. Okay. Do you have a target return date? Uh, I just let, when they let me play and when I have trainers or... We haven't had that talk yet, so I don't know when I'm returning. So as soon as we have that talk, I'll let you know. As long as you go on the road, it's better than sitting at home. Yeah, I'll be going on the road, so it's a good sign. There he is. He feels good. It's a good sign that he feels good. Uh, you know, Chris Russell's usually quite talkative, but he was uh, clearly having some fun today. He was pretty much grinning throughout that entire interview. So I, I think he's doing fine, and, uh, you know, that's what it's like. Didn't want to give anything away. It was actually a pretty amusing moment. Yeah, Heather Nettowin, ready for the Scotties. She's going to join us in a few minutes. The Oil Kings underway in Calgary, and they're up one nothing halfway through the first period. Your scoreboard for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. We're live at the Family Day Classic at the Terwilliger Rec Center. More ahead on Chet. Hey, guys, what's going
This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, good to have you along for the ride in the NHL. Penguins and Blue Jackets still 1-1 late in the third. Early in the third, Avalanche and Hurricanes tied 1-1. Panthers and Ducks will start at 8, and still 1-0 for the Oil Kings leading Calgary 13 minutes into that game. A couple of texts here to 630-630. Vic in Sylvan says, Hi, Reed. I may be one of the two people who is not at the Garth Brooks concert because sports radio was so much more important than listening to old number one hits by an amazing star. <laughs> uh, thanks, I think, Vic. That's that's fair. Uh, <laughs> uh Another texter says, uh, hey, man, I am at the Garth Brooks concert, and I have you on the iPod. I appreciate that. Tarek says, uh, more CFL talk, please. I miss this bizarre yet exciting league. Okay. And uh, another texter says, uh, that game was awesome last night. Obviously talking about the Oilers game. Entire team effort, responding well for two points and standing up for a teammate. I'm really enjoying the makeup of this team. Well, there's no doubt Peter Shirelli had a clear goal in mind for how he wanted the team to work. And uh, I mean, certainly he's not done. I mean, every, every team is always a work in progress. But the Oilers are, are a more diverse team. And uh, they're certainly a bigger team. They're more capable of playing a physical game when needed. And, and I think they have players with more of a, I don't necessarily want to say mean streak, but the, but they're more willing to, to do something, you know, nasty or physical if, if pushed when it comes to that. So that's good. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Bacon Man on the line. He's gone. I th- I was so excited. Haven't heard from Bacon Man in a while. Okay. Well, Bacon Man, if you're listening and you call back, we'll put you on the radio, 780-496-0063. But first, and uh, full disclosure here, I actually taped this interview a couple of days ago because of Heather Nedowin's travel schedule. She is, uh, I guess we can call her the co-skip for Team Alberta that's going to play at the Scotties in St. Catharines. First game tomorrow night against Northern Ontario. And this is a very interesting story about how she came to be on the team because she just joined the rink right before provincials. Heather, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm fabulous. It's great to talk to you. Congratulations on winning Alberta. You're off to the Scotties. Uh, Fair to say how this shook down a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I mean, am I exaggerating if I call this an unexpected championship for you personally? Is that that a fair use of the word, unexpected? (laughs) Yeah, no, it was definitely an unexpected call by Shannon on the, the Monday prior to the event starting. Um, unfortunately, she had has and had back problems and uh, called desperately saying, we need you to play. Um, can you play Wednesday night at 6.30? And uh, I looked at the schedule and looked at what was going on in the week's schedule. I'm like, yeah, I can play Wednesday. We can do this. And then as the, a week progressed, um, we alternated uh, games. And, uh, and then, you know, in the finals, Shannon played outstanding. And here we are, Team Alberta. Okay, so you, you, you played every second game, and Shannon was able to play the other games then? Correct, Okay. Yeah. Have you ever, because I, I know every team carries a fifth. It's my experience as an observer of curling that when the fifth plays, they're often on, on the front end. Have you, have you ever experienced or seen this before where it's actually the, the skips that are alternating? 
Um, well, I've seen it, you know, even with David's team. When David hurt himself, they brought in Wayne Madaw to play at the Skins. So I respectively so, depending on what events you go into and whom the injured player is, you kind of want a front-end specialist if they're you know, for sleeping and such. And if it's somebody in the back end, you kind of go and seek out players that are, you know, back end specialists. But, um, you know, typically, unfortunately, we have to determine who our fifth is prior to an injury and such. So that's what I find challenging. And, uh, you know, at this point, they hadn't declared who their fifth was and when that did happen um, I was determined their fifth player and at that point couldn't be playing for anybody else. Was it difficult for you to step in? I mean how well did you know the other members of the rank and the strategies and types of shots they were comfortable with? What was it like jumping in especially at such an important event? Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Um, I didn't know my players. Um, I mean, I played against Lisa the third for umpteen years, so I knew her capability. She's a very strong player. Um, but had I physically played with these girls yet? No. Um, the front end are extremely experienced, um, knowing, seeing them playing and practicing at the Savile and knowing that they just respectively went to the world championships for a mixed, um, you know, they are a good team. And so it was really kind of an easy transition to step in because Shannon and I have played together um, in this role because I was her fifth player at the Olympic trials in 2010. So Shannon and I easily uh, can, you know, consult with each other on what the preferences and consistencies are of our players. And really, the practice on Tuesday was exactly that. Shannon stood behind me as I held the broom and said, you know, I would choose this and this for that player and this and that. And But at the same sense, these girls have been playing lots throughout the year. Their toolbox is full with all great shots. So it was an easy transition to uh, jump onto a good team. You know, that that's such a great answer. <clears throat> Pardon me. And you, and you have such an interesting relationship with Shannon. You mentioned how you were, you were teammates in the Olympic trials, but you've also played against each other a lot. So there must be a lot of mutual respect and, and trust there because you've been, you know, competing together and competing against each other at, at various points in your careers. I adore Shannon, and I know that sounds kind of funny, but when I think of the top female skips of our times, I think of Shannon, and I think of Sandra Schmerler. So I find it an honor to be asked by Shannon, and the you know the mutual respect between each other. You know, we both have had our successes at different events. She's been to, you know, the Olympics and the Olympic trials and had very good success, where I've been to the Scotties and had my success. So, you know, representation from Alberta, you know, we're, you know, if you include Cheryl Bernard, we're one of the top skips of of Alberta. And, yeah, I find playing with Shannon extremely easy. And the Shannon that I saw play against Val Sweeting in the finals is the is the Shannon that we had to battle against for years just trying to get out of Alberta. So Shannon herself is extremely talented. She has great shots, and I just, uh, you know, I admire her her, uh, shot-making ability, but also the way she calls her the game and brings out the best of her players. 
Heather Nedowin joining us inside sports on 6.30. Chad, Heather, Shannon Kleibrink, the Alberta rink going to the Scotties in St. Catharines. So that starts in a few days here. So what's the uh, rotation going to be now, Heather? Are you and Shannon going to continue to alternate? Is she healthier and does she want to play the bulk? How are you looking at this? Um, Shannon is, is better, uh, but still not 100%. So we definitely have looked at the... Um, you know, at our draw and, and, and see the lineup for the different uh, teams that we have to square up against. Um, we've got a an idea of what we want it, want going into it, but um, it is is all based on how Shannon's feeling. Um, yes, we are looking at alternating games, but not like you play, I play, you play, I play kind of thing. We're definitely trying to square up against... Um, against the teams in the best interest to, you know, that we're both feeling in our prime heading into playoffs. Okay. So what you're telling me is I have to wait and see, basically. <laughs> well, tune in to see. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, your coaches tell you who the starting goaltender is going to be? No. No, they don't. That's a good point. They usually make me wait to see who skates out for sure. Okay, uh, just a a quick thought here Um, in terms of the Scotties field. I mean, look, we know how tough it is just to get out of Alberta and then a lot of times at a Canadian championship, you could almost call it a world championship for how deep the field is. But having said that, anybody you'd look at as being on a roll or or really experienced that you're going to face going in? Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt Rachel Homan and and Team Ontario will be very tough to play against. Um, you know, ironically, when we were Team Canada, they were Team Ontario when we were um, in um, in Kitchener. Um, and it's there's no doubt there's a hometown um, buzz that you get. And and you know, I would say Chelsea Carey and. And Team Alberta rode that last year in Grand Prairie when the Scotty was, was in Alberta. So I would give um, um, Holman, uh, you know, a top-notch rating going into it. I'd give uh, Team McCarville out of uh, Northern Ontario um, that as well. Um, both great teams playing at home with that crowd support is always nice. Um, Team Canada, Chelsea Carey, I mean, obviously they're wanting to defend their title. They'll be tough to beat as well. But, you know, there's also the other provinces that I always think are always tough to even get out of. And, you know, um, Inglot coming out of Manitoba, um, you know, beating who she had to a long route, upsetting the Jones. I mean, they're, they're a great team as well. So those are, I would say, your top uh, four teams that are going to be biting for the playoffs. And uh, I always think for us as Alberta, you know, we're a tough province to get out of. And once we get there and we make playoffs, you never know what can happen with the rest of the weekend. Absolutely. Well, it's a great story, and, and uh, good for you to step in and do such a great job. And, of course, we're, we're going to be rooting for you here at the Scotties. Heather, always great to have you on the show. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Sounds great. Thank you. That's Heather Nettowin, and uh, yeah, as I mentioned, did that interview a few days ago, so they are now already out in St. Catharines for the Scotties, and that's quite a story. I mean, Shannon Clybrick, uh, the back injury, they call Heather, she steps in, they take turns skipping, and they uh, win Alberta. Now, she obviously wouldn't say how they're going to deploy their uh, their lineup when it comes to uh, to this to, to the Scotties starting tomorrow, but uh, all the best to Alberta. And Chelsea Carey, representing Team Canada as the defending champ, also out of Alberta. 
so we, we have a couple of rinks we can pull for. It is 7.45 inside sports on 6.30. Jed, the Blue Jackets have defeated the Penguins 2-1 in overtime. Brandon Dubinsky gets the game winner. Hurricanes and Avalanche still tied 1-1 halfway through the third. Panthers and Ducks have not yet started. That's uh, an 8 o'clock start. WHL tonight, Oil Kings leading the Hitman 1-0 after the first period. Trey, Fitz, uh, Trey Fix Wolanski with the goal in that game as the Oil Kings try to win their third in a row. I'm live at the Terwilliger Rec Center, the Family Day Classic going on all weekend. Pretty good. Uh, it's four-on-four hockey. Pretty good game going on. Me, uh, Really fast young kids going on. Man, I, was, I wasn't anywhere near that fast when I was 9 or 10. I was like uh, I was like the video game on easy. That was how fast I skated. You know, like the computer players that are really easy to skate around and just randomly shoot the puck up the ice? That was me. These kids are on expert level for sure. A little more on the tournament when we get back. Thanks for tuning in tonight. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. And you can read more on the Eskimos activity in free agency on 630Chet.com. Oilers coming up tomorrow on this station. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's 7.50 Inside Sports live at the Terwilliger Rec Center as we are every Family Day weekend Friday for the Family Day Classic, an incredible tournament, 1,400 players. Uh, Tracy Martin is one of the tournament directors. What was Steve telling me earlier? 82 teams? Yes, actually 80 teams this year. 80 teams, yes. sorry. 80 teams, about 1,400 players. So obviously hundreds of coaches. What, what Is the planning for this tournament pretty much year-round? Or do you have a day where it's like, okay, now we got to start? Or how does it go? No, usually I start, to, it's very popular. I start receiving registrations in August oh, for wow. this tournament. Yeah. So teams are eager to play in it. Mm-hmm. Now, is it all Edmonton teams, all Edmonton area? What are we looking at? No, it's open to anyone who wants to come. So I've had interest from BC, Saskatchewan, Northwest Territories. Oh, and wow. I had a Chinese team contact me this year. Are they here? No, they didn't end up coming, but they were very interested. And logistically, it just didn't work out. Well, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. That, and you, you just said, said Jason Strudwick, the former Oilers defenseman, recently did a hockey camp in in uh, Hong Kong mm-hmm. and uh, with kids five to five to fifteen. So that that'd be interesting to see how, how they would do against some of the uh, yeah. some of the Canadian players. All right. So th- th- what what's your favorite thing about this tournament as someone who's been involved and helped put it together? That might be a hard question to answer, but a couple of your favorite things. A couple of my favorite things. One is the hockey format. So just the four on four. The you know free-flowing game, penalty shots at the end instead of penalties served during the game. Secondly would be to support, you know, the Children's Hospital, and we've been able to do so, so well, you know, over the past six years. How much have you raised? Is it around two million? Uh, 1.9 million, 1.9 million in the million? past six years, yes. And that's incredible. And, and the, the players are involved in some of that, right? Yep, players are all asked to raise at least $100 if they can, and we have many players that go above and beyond. Yeah, that's an awesome way to get them involved. Now, what about the silent auction uh, items? Are, are they all, like I see a bunch of jerseys hanging and I walked around for, are they all sports related or is there kind of a bit of a variety? No, typically they are sports related, um, mostly hockey related. Okay. Um, on occasion we get the odd football, baseball jersey, nice. but typically it's uh, for the jersey side anyways, it's all hockey. Okay, so if somebody is like, all right, uh, family day, or, or, you know, I want to go do something different or see what's going on in the community. I mean, is there an admission? Do you have to like have a team in the tournament, or how does it work? No, not at all. You're anybody is welcome to come and join us down here. We have lots of activities going on for kids during the day uh, with the balloon 
um, man here and face painters. Um, they can cheer on any of the teams playing. We have all four rinks going from 7 a.m. Wow. till 10 o'clock at night. And um, there's lots of fun things to do. Okay, so 7 to 10. Is it? What about on Monday? Does it end a little earlier Monday? On Monday it ends a little earlier. It's done at about 8, 39 o'clock. So there'll be the finals going on yeah. and all the... Like there's the four age groups, but then there's categories within each That's of these. Right. And there's so much going on. This 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 is this is so great. Um, so this is year seven. Yes. And you've been involved since the very beginning? Yes. Yeah, did you ever think it was going to be- breach the scope that it has? No, not at all. Our first year... It was a struggle just to try and get teams interested. Um, I think we raised, uh, I'm, I'm not even sure of the amount, maybe 80000 the first year. Um, but since then, it's caught it's caught on. Now, um, like I said, I start receiving registrations in August. I get probably 400 registrations, and I can only accept 80 teams. Wow, okay, that's incredible. Now, if, if there's obviously dozens of volunteers, and uh, I'll let you put out an early plug because I assume you have volunteers for this year. But if someone just says, oh, hey, that sounds something I'd like to help out with, could they already you know, contact oh, you or yeah. send an email on what's going on? Definitely. We're always looking for volunteers. Uh, there's lots going on with the silent auction tables, the 50-50 raffles, uh, timekeeping. We need timekeepers for every game on all four sheets all day long. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested, I'd be happy to um, contact, or you can contact me through email. I'd be happy to contact you back. Right, and you're on the contact page on Facebook. FamilyDayClassic.com. Yeah. So yeah, this this is so great. I mean, I'm so grateful that that you have a, have me out here every, every Friday to do the show from here. It's 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 really fun. It's such a, an energetic and, and positive environment, and I think that's as not as important as as everything else, which is really cool too. Mm-hmm. Tracy, I know I'm keeping you away from being a hockey mom because your son's playing in a rink about <laughs> 40 you. feet away. So yeah. thank you so much Thanks for dropping by. Thank that's you. That's Tracy much. Martin, one of the tournament directors here for the uh, Family Day Classic at the Terrilliger Rec Center. So she mentioned 7 to 10, uh, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. over the next couple of days. And uh, and then 7 a.m. start Monday as well, and then until about 8.30 at night. So that's all That's all really cool stuff. Thank you so much for dropping by. That's Tracy Martin and Steve Serdachny, one of the uh, founders of the tournament, was on with us earlier. Okay, I guess we're uh, winding her down. Uh, Bob, uh, a late text to the show. He says, Damon Allen was better than Doug Flutie. Check the 1993 Western Final in Calgary in the toughest conditions. Flutie just wilted as Allen got stronger. Well, Allen was better that day. I don't know career-wise if I uh, if I agree with that, but but Allen is up there as one of the greats in, in league history as well. Oh, man, that's a debate for the summer. Greatest quarterback in CFL history. All right, uh, final check of the scoreboard. As I mentioned, the Penguins beat the Blue Jackets 2-1. Avalanche and Hurricanes tied 1-1 late in the third. That Blue Jackets Jackets win was an overtime. Panthers and Ducks still to come. The Oil Kings up one nothing on the Hitman. That is with the second period about to start in Calgary. The Oilers travel to Chicago today. They will play there tomorrow to start their six-game road trip. Of course, we have it for you on 6:30. Ched, the face-off show at 3:30 in the afternoon, and that is a five o'clock face-off here on Chet. It's all part of Hockey Day in Canada, featuring all seven Canadian teams in action. The Oilers uh, get the American opponent this year. I want to thank Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Remember to check out more on the Inside Sports page on 630Chet.com. Thanks a lot to Sean Alford, our engineer here at the Twilliger Rec Center, who made sure he got us on the air this evening. Have a great Family Day weekend, everybody. Talk to you soon.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.